Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Amen. Guys, why don't you go ahead and take your seats. We are going to be jumping in to the next installment of At The Movies, which I have loved sitting in so far. I have a question for you. I just wonder, how is it that you like to watch TV when you're at home? How is it that you like to watch a movie? The way in which I tend to like to watch a movie, like most of the guys, is in absolute silence. Like, like no questions, there's no asking for a shoulder rub, there's no asking for a foot rub, a cup of tea, a snack, there's no, what did he just say? Like, let's just watch the movie in silence. Now, Emma, on the other hand, she likes to talk throughout the whole thing. Now, a couple of weekends ago, I walked in and Emma was like deeply engrossed into this Netflix series. And I hadn't even seen it, so I had no clue what it was about at all. And I sat down to watch it with her, and it works out that it's all about free diving which is basically when you try and get as far down in the bottom of the ocean as you can, you know, maybe like for a couple of minutes, hold your breath, no oxygen tank, no breathing apparatus. And you've got to basically free dive as deeply as you can possibly go whilst you still have oxygen in your lungs. And it was kind of like mesmerizing watching these people go down. So Emma is engrossed. And I sit down next to her and I watch it for about maybe two minutes, just enough to figure out what's going on. And I ask this question. Em, how long can they hold their breath? Now, it's not a particularly long-winded question. It's quite a short question. It's one that I would typically expect some kind of numerical answer to come back at me. But she responded, and her answer was so brilliant, I just had to make a note of it right there, because I thought, that is so going in my next preach. So I asked the question, simple question. You could respond to it with an answer such as two minutes. My question was, how long can he hold his breath? Emma's answer. Well, He's Irish, and he's met someone that's Italian, and it hasn't shown us yet, but I think they might end up as a couple because there's definitely some chemistry between them, and they're both pretty incredible. They swim like dolphins because their feet are together in these kind of flippers, and when they go down, they have to hold onto these ropes so they know where they are because it's so dark down there. It's quite a progressive series, and it's following their lives. In fact, it's actually based in Egypt, I think, and they're going for some sort of world record for about two Statues of Liberty's deep, and I think I really don't know how they would do it, because my ears would be popping. <laughs> I am looking at her like going, three minutes would have done, like, and you still didn't answer my question. You still didn't get to the point. I think that it's true for us all. We all know what it's like sometimes to feel like we've just missed the point. But actually, 
more significantly than answering a question about how long somebody can hold their breath for. Some of us, at times, we feel like we've missed the point of our life. And you can go through times and seasons that make you feel like you've missed out on what was supposed to be your best life. There could be times and seasons where you feel like on some of the bigger issues, you've just missed the point. You've missed your purpose. Some people might even verbalize it like this and say, I just feel like I've missed my calling. And on paper, it doesn't make sense. Because on paper, you're feeling like your life has missed the point and your life has no purpose. Yet on paper, you've done some pretty impressive things. Like you've got some great achievements. You've got great success under your belt. When you think back about education, you did just fine. You got the grades. You did okay in sixth form. You did okay in university. When you sat the aptitude test in work, you got through that with flying colors, no problems. When you went for promotion for that job, you got it and it was great. When you went for the house, you got it. When you went for the dream holiday, you got it. When you went for 2.4 children, you got it. And on paper, everything looks like this should be perfect and yet you feel like there is a part of your life that is just missing the point. There's a part of your life that feels to you like, is this all there is? Am I just missing my purpose? Is this what I'm called to do? And as far as your achievements go, you now can't reconcile that because all of those things that were supposed to bring you this sense of fulfillment and happiness in your pursuit of those things, you now realise they don't do what it says on the tin. They don't bring that level of fulfillment that you were hoping that it would. And now you're like, is this the point? Is this all there is to life? Just to sleep, eat, work and repeat. Every now and then eat out. Every now and then buy something for the house. Is this all there is? And yet there are some of others of you in the room that you're experiencing the exact same tension, but you're at the opposite end of the pendulum. You look back on your life and actually you discount and discredit yourself because as far as the achievements go, well, there are no trophies on your cabinet. Maybe you didn't do all that great in school. Maybe you were brilliant in other ways than simple education will tell you that you're brilliant. Maybe there are failings in your life that you look back on and you think, man, I wish that I'd have done better at that. And now you're in a situation where you haven't got everything on paper, so you're not wrestling with that tension. Your tension is you're trying to get everything that everybody else allegedly has on paper, that when you have those things, it makes you feel like my life has purpose now. And yet you don't have any of those things, so now you're living in the pursuit of the thing, the house, the job, the garden, the holiday, because you think if I can just get them, then maybe that will give my life a deeper rooted sense of purpose. And yet you're still wrestling with the same idea. Does my life count for anything? Is there a point to me even being here? Like, what is my purpose? And the question that you're asking is, does my life really count? At the end of my life, would my life have counted for anything at all? We are in a series called At The Movies, hence the red carpet and the popcorn, and um, I've absolutely loved some of the movies that we've been exploring over the last few weeks. But today, we're going to go to a movie that I think in a subplot type of way is going to speak into this idea and concept that I'm trying to pitch to you. 
We're going to go and have a look and an explore on the number four best-selling movie of all time, grossing in over $2 billion of sales. It is the movie Titanic. Okay, so there we have it. We are going straight to the movie Titanic, which is an interesting movie because I would imagine by now some of you are thinking, are we going to be exploring one of the most iconic love romantic relationships ever to taken place on screen between Jack and Rose? Well, that's not actually the angle that we're going to be looking at the movie from. Some of you might be wondering whether or not we're going to finally be able to figure out why didn't Jack just climb onto this door that Rose was on and she managed to do just fine? Let's have that image of Rose on the door. There we go, like plenty of room. You could have cuddled up. You could have got on there no problem. Neither are we going to be talking about the mechanics of trying to make an impression when you are intimately trying to get to know one another in the backseat of this car, which interestingly enough, in the very opening credits of the movie, you see this car being loaded onto the dock of the ship, which is pretty interesting, I think. We could also be looking at some of the long-standing mysteries surrounding this whole catastrophe, which was the sinking of the Titanic. Because did it really sink because the young soldier who was up in the crow's nest simply didn't have access to binoculars? Because that was actually found out to be true in a later inquiry. But that's not the angle either. Neither are we going to be exploring the true fact that even before the Titanic set sail, it had a fire that was ablaze in the belly of its ship in one of the coal bunkers that actually led to the weakening of all the steel on the ship, which meant that when the iceberg actually struck it, it was already starting from a bad negative place. Because there is a sub-story, there is a sub-plot that runs throughout the theme of this movie that's way more closer to reality than the love story of Jack and Rose. When you think about the Titanic, it's a dramatization of an immense tragedy that took place over 100 years ago. And for many of us, we've had it brought back to the forefront of our minds thinking recently because of the disaster that happened with the Titan submersible, right? I mean, we're still intrigued by this ship over 100 years further on. It does depict an absolute tragedy, and it's not the tragedy of us losing Jack any more than it is us losing the heart of the ocean diamond. It's a tragedy that represents to us a date of the 15th of April, 1912, when at 20 past two, over 1,500 people lost their lives, 700 of whom were crew of the Titanic the remaining 700 were those that were traveling on a third-class passenger ticket. Plus, over 100 children died. This is one of the greatest maritime catastrophes. And yet what the film actually presents to us in its subplot is that this is a true story where some people failed to get the point. There's a subplot in the movie that tells us that the owners, the architects, the designers, the draftsmen alike, they all seem to get somewhat off track on the way. 
Somehow, some way, they ended up forgetting that the point of creating a ship such as Titanic was to see people transported safely rather than stylishly. And yet what they found was all of their efforts went into squash courts, gymnasiums, like swimming pools, Turkish baths, custom-made china. They had all of these amazing items of luxury aboard that ship that if those people had survived, they would have been able to have told a wonderful story about the luxury on board the Titanic. But would it not have been better to simply have been put in a position where you could survive the journey rather than enjoying some of these features? There were over 32 lifeboats that were supposed to be on the Titanic. But when it set sail, it left with only 20 lifeboats. And the reason why those additional lifeboats that in fact weren't still enough, but the reason why they were in fact removed was because the architect felt that the remaining lifeboats on the upper deck, which was designed for the upper classes, looked unsightly. So they had them taken off the ship. They forgot that their point was to see people travel safely, not stylishly. They just missed the point. And it's exactly the same for each and every one of us today. There are some times in our lives where we just missed the point, where we just get a little bit off-piste and off-track from the very purpose that maybe even God has created you to live out. What if there's a real reason why you're supposed to be here. And I think that we've struggled with this idea of finding out what's my purpose, what's my point, because there's so much readily available information now telling us the way in which we're supposed to be able to find our point. For example, it's a common feature now that we're told on the news, on social media, on the internet, if you wanna be happy, if you wanna find your purpose, Just follow your heart. And yet Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, follow your heart. Jesus said, come and follow me. And in Matthew 4, he said, come and follow me. And he would have been aware what the prophet Jeremiah would have referenced in the Old Testament when he said, whatever you do, don't trust your heart because it's deceitful. It will tell lies to you. Other people say, if you wanna find the point of your life, then just be true to yourself. But Matthew 16, Jesus tells us, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. In other words, he was saying, it's not gonna be that easy all of the time. It's not as simple as that. Some people will say, if you wanna be happy and find a point and find your purpose in life, you just need to believe in yourself a little bit more. Well, it's not what Jesus said. Jesus never once said, believe in yourself. He said, believe in me. In fact, in John 14, he says, believe in me to the extent so that you know that I am the way, the truth and the life and no one gets to the Father except through me. Other people think I can find my point and find my purpose if I just do whatever I want that makes me happy. And yet even Jesus says in Mark 8, he's like, no, that's not the way to do it. Because what good is it to someone if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? He was saying it like this, you can spend your entire life in the pursuit of happiness. And what good is it if you've got the best garden, feature, car, 2.4 family, holiday house. What good is it if you've got all of that going on and then you actually miss the main real purpose and points for why you've been positioned here on the planet by your maker and creator in heaven? 
And we all know what it's like sometimes to feel like we've just missed the point. And when we feel like we've missed the point, that's when we start to ask ourselves bigger questions. What's my purpose? Why am I even here? Well, what if the answer to that question didn't come from within? What if the answer to that question has already been thought about and answered by your maker and creator in heaven, who is so smart that he knew that there would be a day where you would be gathered in a church in Liverpool. So he wanted to convey an idea and a concept over to you in a really clear formatted way so that when you asked yourself, what's the point of my life? He would already have had the perfect answer that was given through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who when God placed him on the planet to put on flesh and live amongst us, to one day get ready to take on the sin of the world, that he'd be ready to answer this question because he knew that we're just the same. We'll all at some point ask this question, why am I even here? And he was like, I've got an answer. I can save you weeks, months and years if you'll just listen to my words on this. And this is what he says in answer to that question. What's my point? What's my purpose? Why am I even here? Why do I exist? Is this all there is to life? Do I only exist to sleep, work and eat and just repeat? Is that it? He was like, no, I've got an answer for you. So Jesus in Matthew 5 gives us the answer to that question. He says, let me tell you why you are here. Let me, in other words, the one that designed you, the one that made you, the one that formed you in your mother's womb, the one that knows you intricately. Let me as the architect of your life be the one that reveals to you what you're here to do. Let me tell you why you are here. Not your wife, not your husband, not your mother who maybe used to go to church, not your uncle who dragged you to church, but let me tell you specifically. Let me call on your name and let you know the reason why you are here. He says, you're here, again, he's speaking to you. You're here to be salt seasoning. Now, this is where I figure it that we're about to lose a whole bunch of people because if you're as useless in the kitchen as I am, that little analogy is not gonna make any sense at all. Like, what does that even mean? We're here to be salt. Well, I don't know a lot about cooking and I don't really know a lot about salt, but I do know that it does two things really well. It makes things last longer and it makes things taste better. Now, it can make even the world's ropiest of dishes taste incredible. Husbands, keep looking at me right now. Do not look at your wife. I think that what Jesus was trying to say is that you're here to be salt seasoning so that where you go, and then he tells us, you bring out the God flavors of the earth. In other words, there is a reason that when you choose to follow me, you will find your purpose in life because you follow me, because I am putting you on mission. I have a plan for your life. I need you on mission. This is not me and the world. This is us collectively. You've just been called up to the team. You've just been pulled out in the draw. Your name's just been selected and you are now called to be salt seasoning. You're the ones that makes things taste 
better. I think that when Jesus was trying to convey this idea to us that you're to be salt seasoning, what it actually meant was when your salt, when your fellowship of Christ is in the office and there's the awkward guy that everybody else is cruel and unkind to and bullies, you're the one that when you walk into the office, you show and demonstrate God's grace and God's love and God's kindness and God's compassion. That's what it looks like to be salt. It means that when you're working in the courtroom, it doesn't just mean it's the justice of our land that's being administered. It means that because you're there representing the name of Jesus on his team, on mission, you've received the call up that God's justice gets to flow all the more. It means that when you're starting the business and you're introducing your fellowship of Christ, your saltiness, it means that things are gonna be done in a way of honesty and integrity that other people would try and cut the corners on because you're on team, you're on mission, your name has been pulled out of the heart. It means that when you're salty in the family home, it means that there's peace and there's love and there's a little bit more patience when maybe the wife's doing your head in or the husband's doing your head in or maybe one of the kids are going crazy and you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? When you choose to be salt seasoning in the family home, there's just that little bit more patience, which makes things just that little bit more easier. It means that when your soul is sat around a board table, there is wisdom and integrity that comes from God because you represent God, because you represent Jesus. You're not there by mistake. It means that when you're going to fill out the application and you're gonna be seated at the interview table, when you bring your saltiness to the interviewers, it means that when you leave, they're gonna be thinking, there is something different about that applicant. And I don't even know what it is. I'll tell you what it is, because you're here to be salt seasoning and bring out the God flavors of the world. And then Jesus goes on and he tells us, but if you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I think that what Jesus is actually trying to tell us here is is that when you choose to not recognize that God has a divine plan for your life, when you choose to omit your responsibility of playing your part in the kingdom of God that he wants you to be a part of, actually, you're gonna live a really shallow life. And there's gonna come a point when you're gonna ask yourself questions like, what am I even here for? Like, what's the point? What is my purpose, because you can have all the toys in the world and your life can feel incredibly empty unless you know that you are aligned with the purpose that God has put you on the planet to play. He goes on, he says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Here's another way to put it. You're to be light. Light is the tool that enables us to see and perceive the world around us. When you're a follower of Jesus, every minute and every moment, you're called to be light in order that the other people that are around you are able to perceive the godliness in you so that they see God through your actions, your words, the way in which you are with people. You're supposed to be the light that illuminates the God shapes that exist on the planet. Light is also the very thing that is life-giving 
when you consider photosynthesis. I mean, that's what light is. It has the ability to bring new life. And I think that that's the idea that Christ was trying to convey. You don't think you've got a point in your life? You don't think you've got a purpose to be on the planet? No, no, you don't understand. Like, I've put you here because you can be life-giving in the office. You can be life-giving at the school gate. You can be life-giving and represent me whilst you're waiting for your MOT, praying that it's gonna pass. You can represent Christ in that moment. This is what life should really be purposed about. Now, back to our movie. I think that one of the most powerful scenes in the entire movie is actually a scene that comes right at the end when the Titanic has just started to break up and it's been dragged underneath the ocean. And now what you can hear in the distant background are hundreds and hundreds of people screaming, scrapping round, trying to swim, trying to stay afloat, trying to ensure that they weren't going to drown. And yet what we see in the movie is that the 20 lifeboats that did have people within it didn't choose to do their part and go back and help those that were drowning. I think her name is Molly Brown. She shouts out and she says, there's plenty of room for more. It's almost like that she was the only voice in that particular boat that was willing to say, hey, There is a purpose that we have been saved from this because we're in a boat, we have plenty of more room, and yet, why is everybody else abdicating their responsibility to play their part, to work out the purpose that actually could one day lead to them telling an amazing story? Could you just imagine this? Could you just imagine for a moment, imagine all of those 20 boats went back and imagine that the story that those people that were actually in a lifeboat were able to tell afterwards was, there was this crazy shipwreck, but we went back and we were the heroes and we were the ones that rescued people. We saved souls. We saved lives. We existed for a reason. And now there wasn't 1,500 people that went to heaven or hell, but actually there was just a smaller number of people. Could you imagine that that was the story that they could have told? And yet they didn't because they failed to recognise that actually there was a purpose for their life. They failed to recognise that it's always the job of the saved to help those that are drowning. It's always the job of those that are within the lifeboat to go back and help take some more. It's always the job of those that have been rescued that can do something to actually do something. And yet, do you not think that that is the exact same point that Jesus is trying to make to us when he's saying, you're to be salt and light. No, no, this isn't me on a rescue mission to help save the world and show people Christ and show people God's love. It's not that at all. This is, if you're in the boats, if your name has been written in the book of life, if you've prayed a prayer of salvation and opened up your heart and said, God, I want you to live on the inside of me, you've been called up. You're part of the team. Your name's been pulled out of the hat and now it is your responsibility. It's our responsibility corporately to be salt and to be light so that other people will know of God's goodness and God's kindness and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because 
We don't live in a culture where people are going to hear it on the radio. We don't live in a culture where people are going to find it on the TV. We live in a culture where people are going to see the God colours of our world when they look at your life. We live in a culture where people are going to taste the God flavours of our world when they get around your table, in your house, and you live open-hearted, and you live with an open house. This is the point because save people are to help save people. And when you don't do that, you miss the point of everything. When you you don't do that, you miss the purpose of everything that Jesus has called you to. So what if when you're just at work doing the thing and all you think is I'm just filling out another mortgage application for another applicant, what if God has strategically placed you there for a reason? What if you're there divinely, supernaturally to connect with that one person whose world is collapsing and falling down right now? What if as you prepare to go back as a teacher for yet another term, what if you're not there to just teach the curriculum? What if you have been divinely positioned, strategically placed to initiate questions and thought processes within the minds of our young people to make them inquisitive about the things of God? What if the reason why the rung on the ladder for your next promotion didn't come off is because God has uniquely, strategically, purposely called you to still be in the office because what you don't know about is the guy on your table has a wife who's just been diagnosed diagnosed with cancer and you get to be salt and you get to be light. What if the reason why you got moved in work? What if the reason why there was a relocation that you didn't agree with, that you didn't like at the time was so that somebody else gets the joy and the knowledge and the awareness of seeing who God is when you choose to live open home with them? What if the reason why you're on the sports team is to show other people that there's another way out. And in Matthew 5, this is what Jesus was telling us. He was saying, guys, look, real talk. You can have all the stuff, all the cars, all the holiday, all the gadgets in the world, but that's never gonna make you feel like you found your purpose. It's never gonna make you feel like you now know your point and the reason why you are on the planet. He was saying, listen, if you're a follower of me, until you buy into this idea of, I'm salt, I'm light, and everywhere I go, Christ is with me, and the same power that conquered the grave lives in me, and everywhere I go, I have the opportunity to show people God's love and His grace and His kindness. You are going to miss the point also. So you're called to be salt and light in the places and spaces that God has strategically positioned you. And you know what I'm hopeful for this year as we get ready to close? I'm hopeful that in the next 12 months of Liverpool One Church, we will collectively be the saltiest and the lightiest we have ever been as a church to the point whereby literally thousands in our city would not be able to deny the truth of who God is because of the way that you live. Church, time has gone. Let's stand to our feet. We're gonna pray real quick and then we're gonna worship some more. Let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, your word makes it really clear that you have a plan for us all. That there is a point to our existence. There is a purpose to why we're here. So I pray that on this day that we wouldn't leave church knowing a little bit more about the Bible. 
I pray that we wouldn't walk out knowing the idea of we're called to be salt and light tomorrow. But God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to live this out. I pray that you would bring people across our paths, that you would strategically place us in spaces where we could radiate the love and the grace of God. I pray that collectively as a church, that we wouldn't fail to go back for more. I pray, oh God, that we wouldn't stop and think we've got a bit of a thing going on and it's kind of great where we're at. God, I pray that we would always be striving to be making room for more people who don't know you, who don't know your goodness, who don't know of your saving power. Help us, God, to be salt and light. In Jesus' Name, Amen. With every head still bowed and every eye still closed, whilst no one's looking around right now. There are many parts of this message today that have resonated with you, but you know that your life has never even once been placed within the lifeboat. You've never been in a boat to go back and help anybody because you've never made a decision to follow God. You've never made that clear line in the sand choice, that definitive moment where you've made a decision to say, okay, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow God. I wanna become a Christian. And today, whilst you're in church and everything's been going on with the band earlier on, and as you've heard everything that I've said, there's like a knocking on the window of your heart that's saying to you, this is your time and this is your moment. Well, it is. Because right now I'm gonna pray one quick prayer and I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer in your heart after me because no one's looking around. Right now, this is a moment. It's a holy moment. It's a not an ordinary moment. And it's between you and God, our Father. And if you wanna give your life to Jesus and you never have done before, then pray this prayer in your heart after me right now. Father in heaven, I come to you today because I want to invite you into my life. Come and live in my heart because I wanna know you more. I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. I'm sorry for the times that have sinned. I'm asking for your forgiveness because today I choose to believe in Jesus Christ, your one and only Son, whose life was given for me so I could know you. So from this day forward, I'm calling myself a Christian. I'm calling myself a follower of you. Amen. Church, let's worship together. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you again soon.